Blog Talk Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and we're on live. This is Gateway Radio. It's Sunday. You know what that means. That means we're in space today. And we're excited to be. Sunday is always better than Monday. And for the next show, uh, I don't know how long Don can actually talk. <laughs> Sit back and relax. And listen. We are on the next space show with Al and Joe. Hey, Al. Hey, girl. About time you showed up. <laughs> I'm getting antsy here. Well, you know how it is. I got to come to last minute. Is that what it is? Yeah. What you got going on there? Turn off the YouTube crap. I have no idea. That's <clears throat> just yeah. checking the, checking out the links that we're going to be sharing tonight. We got a lot um, of good stuff. Lately. A lot of new, not a lot of new stuff's been going on this week, and of course, there's a couple of things top of the news that uh, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for as we talk about them, and uh, as we get further on, some exciting stuff going on in in space research, development, new space, you name it. We'll be talking about a lot of it tonight. We're going to start with uh, international or national stuff from NASA. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that really think that NASA should be the one leading the charge into space. Um, I'm just so that you know, I'm not one of them, and you'll find a little bit about that later on. But you know, NASA is still an important player in space, and we need to to keep in mind that as as we go forward and as we do look at other venues and other avenues to explore to get um, the people into space. Keep in mind, part of my my focus, folks, is we want to get people into space, not just astronauts or cosmonauts or taikonauts or whatever, knots. We want to get... Or androids or whatever. We want to get... Or robots. We or we're, we're, we're tired of knots going to space. Knots, N-A-U-T-S. Yeah, we're tired of knots going to space. We want the rest of us to go to space. Logan, no more knots. No more knots. Hey, there you go. That isn't a good idea. <laughs> All right. First up tonight... Um, uh, from the fashion department, NASA has commissioned fashion. Or fashion. Oh yeah, the astronauts are going to get some new shoes. This is well, this kind of funky looking. Oh yeah, they are. But you know, it, it, you know, when I first saw this, I thought that they were putting springs on the bottom of the shoes. Yeah, reminds me of those moon shoes. Remember well, those? yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. In the that 70s, was interesting. But yeah. these are actually these are part of the uh, human research program, and what they've done is they're. There, if you look closely, there are actually four sensors at the bottom of those shoes, underneath the soles, and they're going to be testing the astronauts to find out how much pressure they're putting on their bodies when they exercise on the International Space Station. Yeah. And that, that's kind of cool. And, of course, they do look kind of comfortable. I mean, they're more of a sandal type, but it's, it's definitely interesting. There's a, it's a good read in the article. Um, they're talking about the Force Shoe, as it's called, designed by XSEN, the XSENS. We'll be going to the International Space Station soon, and they'll be using those to see what's going on with uh, the astronaut bodies and what, may, hopefully, as part of the program to figure out how they can improve 
um, and reduce the loss of bone mass, muscle mass, things like that. Okay. So you know what? I just wanted to remind everybody that we do give you guys the links uh, and that you guys can click through and, and you know, read and, and or, you know, save for later. Um, so that way you guys have the links that we're talking about here. And that's down at the bottom underneath the show information under the chat. In the chat, I have the links actually clickable, so you just click and you can go to the link that we're talking about. Also, remember, this is a live show, which means we don't just have to talk to each other. I, I would welcome anybody else to talk to Don other than me. So. <laughs> yeah, call in. Challenge us. Please call in. Yeah, challenge us. Share us. If you've got a news item to share that, that we haven't covered or that we're not... Uh, that we haven't brought out. Or you just don't agree or do agree and just want to support or whatever. You there know? you go. Maybe you're an alien. You want to warn us, you know. I don't know. So well, they might not be warning us. They might be coming to say hi, you know. Well, that's, that's cool, too. Give them the benefit of the doubt for crying out loud. Well, that's true. I'd not be positive and say that they're here to kill us anyway. So what the, what the heck? Well, I mean, they could, <laughs> they, they could be... Coming down to, to, to probe you. I mean, right. not that that would be no, a problem for yeah, you. But. That depends. Well, they... they, they got to take me to dinner first. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, you're not it, easy these days, are you? No, I, hey, I expect to fed or something, you know. You want, <laughs> I say, you want to pick my brain, you need to feed me first. Okay. I tell everybody that. All right. So, as aliens or authors, I don't care who. All right. Well, on to a new, a new link again, part of the uh, human research program. Uh, the number, oh, did, yeah, okay, the number call to call, number. <laughs> call us in at 714-242-5145 to join the show. That's, again, 714-242-5145. Call in, let us know how we're doing, let us know what you think. Chime in on some of the, the things that we point out as far as news and Or and if you activities. want to share something with us also under the chat, you can, you can copy or just write in, hey, you know. Call in, yeah. say hi, chime in with your chat, say hi. Let us know you're out there. You know, that's the whole point of the SETI program. We want to know who's out there. I mean, I know you guys are there. You're heavy breathing, so you might as well say hi. (laughs) (laughs) What else we got? On to our next link, okay. Also part of the human research program, NASA is, um, now they've announced this a few months back at least. Uh, I know I remember seeing it. Uh, But they're going to have the twin astronauts, Scott Kelly and Mark Kelly, in a program to see if they can um, find out how bodies change in space. And part of the research in this um, is they're going to use Mark, who resides on Earth, as a control to gauge um, Scott's progress and so forth while he's up on the International Space Station. it's actually a pretty awesome opportunity because both men do have, they're, they're so similar, as we know most twins are. And so it'll be a real interesting opportunity for NASA to actually go forward. That's, uh, that article is from thespacereporter.com, so check it out. That might um, be a freaky twin thing. Yeah, it could be very well a freaky twin thing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, we've got some old news that is new news. Uh, you know, for, for people who have been following uh, space activities, and particularly NASA, you know, it's been 37 years since we launched Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, and 
I remember there were several articles uh, just in the past few months that talked about how Voyager 1 uh, and Voyager 2 are actually moving past the boundary of our solar system. Yeah. And there's just, I mean, just think about this. They are so far out. They are freaking so far out. I can't even think of what uh, something to say about that. <laughs> I, well, it's so far out that they live in lava tubes. No, no, there's no lava tubes that far out. I mean, they are I'm so far about out. Seventy kind of far out thing, you know. Well, no, that was lava lamps. Come on, get it right. Yeah. It was lava lamps, not lava tubes. Though I guess you could use a tube to create a lamp. Tubular I mean, I, I, oh, okay, yeah. Well, hey, at least it's not tubular bells. Anyway, we're dating ourselves again. Um, but you know, here's here's the thing. It, it, they're they're moving into interstellar space. And four decades. Yeah. Wow. And you know, it's just it's just almost as old as me. Well, that's just. I know, it's oh, scary. Man. You're still a babe. Still a babe. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I can, I can remember in uh, 1969 watching the moon landing yeah. as a boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the things that NASA has been able to accomplish are astounding. Voyager 1 and 2 still going strong after 37 years, almost 40 years. It'll be interesting to see what new things we discover about the solar system in the next two, three years as they continue moving. So it's, it's pretty wild. Um, again, on NASA News, we've got, uh, NASA has a project called Morpheus, a prototype lander that they've been working on for several years. Um, now, they just recently accomplished a uh, free flight test at night. Now, for the most part, you know, it's, it's not quite as fun as watching it during the daytime, but I tell you what, the night lights up. It's a pretty cool takeoff and landing. Uh, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, but it is exciting because um, they, uh, they, they go up to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, they do several tests during the free flight, and this is where the Morpheus lander itself is actually making the decisions to control and to do what it needs to do to follow its designated flight path. So it's, it's interesting uh, to watch it. It's a cool video, just if for nothing else. It's an awesome video. They do a great job. Um, so, you know, great article, check it, or great video. Check it out on, on, on YouTube. As we move forward, um, NASA also um, is moving forward in a couple of other things. Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. He's talking about cutting budget again. Well, on the one hand, that's old news. On the other, um, you've got some mixed stuff here, okay? Um, The article in this case is talking about one of the telescopes is... um, facing potential uh, closure. Um, but, you know, NASA's budget woes have been going on for, for a long time. They've been challenged uh, just to keep up. Uh, we all know that we're paying 60 and $70 million a seat to uh, Russia to send our astronauts up to the International Space Station. Uh, but hopefully that will change soon as SpaceX ramps up. 
But NASA's budget woes are literally, it's like ping pong bong on a, on a Chinese table. I got to tell you, it's up and it's down and it's, it's positive and then it's, it's negative. So, you know, just uh, another, another piece of, of news in, um, as, as they face an already busy world. And an already busy world. Uh, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Um, we have a, next up is a video. That's what you're for. <laughs> right. That's what you're here for. Um, next up is a... Uh, inflatable spacecraft. Inflatable spacecraft. Now, here's the thing. It's not... That sounds like fun. Well, yeah, but it's not an actual inflatable spacecraft. Uh-huh. Um, so tell us what that is. Okay. Um, There's a lot of uh, empty space there, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I do here? It's not working. I just love it when this stuff. Yeah, well, you know, technology, that's the way it is. Oh, there it, started. Is. It, there it is. It finally started. Yeah, you just kind of um, kick it in the... Yeah, what he, what he talks about in the video is uh, the new uh, inflatable module they're going to be sending up to the International Space Station. I believe it's slated um, next year. Wow. Um, nice, but, nice, nice looking guy. You're actually yeah. going to watch it during this show? No, I'm not going to do that. I was just checking on a couple of things. <laughs> he, he talks about the B module from Bigelow uh, Aerospace. Oh, yeah. Now, they've set up a module. Now, it's basically just going to be an add-on to the station. Uh, it's not even planned to be there for very long. Okay? Uh-huh. But the idea is they want to test the inflatable material attached to the space station where NASA can do its own tests instead of depending on what uh, Robert Bigelow did back in 06 and 07 by launching his own inflatable modules. Um, it's, it's the classic NASA not invented here syndrome stuff. So, um, But the fact that NASA signed a contract with Bigelow to deliver the module, um, <coughs> this video goes into a lot of the details. Check it out. If you haven't heard about the inflatable module to be attached to the International you Space really Station, you really need to get back to Earth. You need to get back to Earth and pay attention to what's going on. There's just so much going on um, in the next space as we move forward and start looking at stuff. Um, you know, we talk sometimes, and, and I tend to, to rag on NASA a good bit, but the SLS and Orion is actually making progress. I mean, despite all the, the typical stuff that we talk about with government programs and hugely expensive hammers and toilets of years <laughs> gone by, um, SLS and Orion are both cost-plus contracts with their respective uh, groups of vendors. They can use the hammer on the toilet when it doesn't work. E- no. They don't. That would be a bad what thing. they do, they, they, they bring it back and they make you redo it. <laughs> yeah. And you pay for that. And you pay for that. I mean, that's, I that's the NASA style of, I'll tell you, you pay, you pay for the, the other people. We're coming mistakes. and going. Yeah, yeah you do. Uh, but anyway, um, the thing of it is, NASA's SLS and Orion program are polarizing, and that's what this article talks about. Even though they're making progress, NASA is still trying to find uh, a mission. 
And while they've got the SLS in development, while they've got Orion in development, while, they've, while NASA really wants to be able to deliver these, um, the problem that they face is that in the increasingly as, as SpaceX and X-Core ramp up, and, or I'm sorry, Sierra Nevada, ramp up for full orbital deployment, this is going to be a real challenge for SLS and Orion to be able to do any of the kind of things that SpaceX or in or Sierra Nevada fairly soon, if their progress is to be believed, they're going to be able to pass NASA's SLS and Orion ships very soon and surpass the capability that NASA's been working on 10 years at least. So this is, this is something it's exciting to see them making progress but it's dubious. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, Somebody else is nipping at their heels, you know. Well, yeah, and it's it's and that's a good thing. It is a good thing that we have um, the potential for competition, not only for NASA but for us, Cosmos, and 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 for the. Uh, that's for sure. For JAXA and for ESA and also for the Chinese organization, you know, the, the, it's not enough that the governments do these kind of things. We sure. need to, as citizens, get out there and do some things. Well, the amazing thing is, you know, you can do it for less. Well, you can yeah. always do it for less than the government can. But this is it. You know, if the government would have just taken some initiative, they would have been able to cut some of their costs and maybe still had enough no, money no, to no, do no, that. No, 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 no. See, see there, you're, you're, missing, you're missing the point. Government cannot take risks like a business can. They just can't. They're not allowed to. And that's the nature okay. of a bureaucratic organization working under the taxpayer's right. nickel, whatever no, it is. No, but anyway, moving on. A little bit more possible. Anymore. Okay, now here's, here's something that, that's interesting. Uh, NASA has confirmed that it tends to land humans on Mars by 2035. However... They also admit it'll need the help from the rest of the world to do it. Now, I, 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 I actually I think it's a great idea. However, I think as we'll be talking in our commentary section later on tonight, we'll be talking about the vision that we've seen come and go. We've got uh, the visions of um, uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Zubrin for Mars Direct. We've got a vision under NASA of a similar program, Mars Straight Shot using SLS and Orion. We've got the Mars One. We've got Mars Inspiration. We've got, uh, heaven forbid, we've got a couple of people planning on going to the moon. Golden Spike, for one. Uh, Space Adventures has mm -hmm. offered, for the right price, a way to get people to the moon and back, or at least around a flyby. So, you know, these are not, a lot of these aren't new programs. And um, as the businesses ramp up to make things exciting for us and to offer these programs, we'll find that many of them come true. The challenge that I wonder about this is NASA's vision is not to be at Mars until 2035. Yeah, well, Mars One is talking a launch in 2020, 2020 2012, or 2020, 2022. Um, something like that, which would put us on Mars, put their ship on or passing around Mars, 2014, I'm sorry, 2024, 2026, depending yeah, on if there's so any it's like slips. Ten-year difference here. What's the deal? Yeah, well, you know, and that's, that's the challenge. That's what we look to find out. Um, 
So, you know, moving on. Let's look at the international group, okay? Russia is doing something new. Uh, and this is something I had missed, even though it's been going on for a while. Air and Space Smithsonian reports that uh, the Soviets or the, the Russians are building a spaceport in Siberia. Um, I mean, it could be. There. I mean, it could be. I mean, their current. Um, uh, their six time zones. Yeah. Well, basically, it just means they're pulling it inside the Russian border. Right. Currently, they launch from the Baikonur uh, Cosmodrome, uh, but it's in another co country. Mm. So one of the things that they're wanting to do is move it under their own country so that they can have a little bit more control so that they're not paying a middleman to get things done and that type of and, stuff. Yeah. It's exciting that they're actually, that they're spending money to build a spaceport. Um, it could be in, in tandem with Baikonur or, or it could be a replacement. Uh, we'll, the time will actually tell. I think they talked somewhat about this. Um, The pad is supposed to be finished sometime next year, and according to official plans, they'll be launching scientific military payloads on Soyuz rockets with manned launches on a new type of rocket to follow perhaps three years later. So they're looking, they're looking to make some progress, um, though I don't have, I don't see any indication that this is anything other than a, than a government program as part of their uh, privatized space component over there. So under Roscosmos or something else. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but here's here's something new that I found particularly interesting. Japan is getting into the Mars game. So we've got the U.S. Uh, China has expressed a desire to go to Mars, but they're still focused on their lunar mission. Um, we've got Mars Inspiration, as I said before, Mars One. We've got Mars Direct. We've got... Uh, NASA wanting to go to Mars. A lot of people want to go to Mars. Maybe Mar or maybe uh, Japan is just looking to get out of its own country, mm. considering how many uh, earthquakes it's had lately. Mm. That is some serious stuff. So, but I'm I, I suspect that despite all of these various co governments and all of the various organizations, I, I really don't think that any one country is going to want to go to Mars by itself. Well, that's, the, I mean, how can it? Yeah, I, I think what we're going to find... I'm surprised Japan has any money right now. Well, they do. They do. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're in okay shape. They're kind of like we are. They're well, that's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, that out. <laughs> um, the thing to remember is, is that the economy... It is what it is. The, yeah, it is what it is. The economy's... While they're sluggish, they are growing. I mean, yeah, at a snail's pace, but they are growing. They are making progress. Um, but I think it's interesting that Japan is is uh, speaking up about their their desire to go to space. Well, that's good. So uh, we got some great news this week um, from the new space private sector. Um, there was a crowdsourced, crowdfunded project to tap into a spacecraft that is almost as old as Voyager. Back uh, about 
30 some odd years ago, I guess I want to say. Uh, I don't know the exact dates, uh, but it's been almost 30 years. The uh, ISEE 3 spacecraft was launched um, as a solar observatory. Now, it did a great job. Uh, that reminds me of some Star Trek episodes. <laughs> well, not, not quite that bad. Not quite that bad. Um, the, uh, the thing is, these people thought that, okay, we got a spacecraft that, had, that was originally set up as a solar observatory, mm -hmm. and it sat in a space between the Earth and the sun, and it watched the sun for us, and gave us some memory. There's actually several other. Sorry. What? It watched the sun for us. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it would make observations. It makes observations from space that we can't make from the surface of the Earth. Okay. okay. And they can take. I'll let it get, let it get away with that. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> our atmosphere gets in the way, and that's why we have telescopes in orbit in space. Well, but in in this case, the interesting thing about this is. Halfway. Is that we had a couple of comments that were coming by, and they wanted to get a spacecraft to go visit the comets and send us information about those. Okay. So they tapped into the ISW3, and they had it change position and go after these comets. It did so successfully, sending us back a lot of information, which was interesting. And in the course of that orbit, it went way across the far side of the sun from us. ISEE-3? ISEE-3. And then it started on its way back. Well, this, this month, uh, it's actually going to come on a close approach of the moon and okay. pass by Earth. Okay. Now, NASA hasn't used the spacecraft in several years, many years actually, for the last common encounter. So what these guys said was, hey, this satellite still got fuel on it. This satellite still works. Apparently. Why should we just leave it up there to be a piece of space junk? What's yeah, about freaking time we picked up our trash. <laughs> well, they wanted to put it back in orbit between the Earth and the sun to go back to what it was doing before, which was helping to observe the sun. Now, we've got other satellites up there that are also helping to observe the sun, but this would just be another one out there to be able to do a little bit more detailed study. Might well. The interesting thing about this is that when the satellite was discontinued for use by NASA, they didn't really, they, 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 NASA got done with it, and they threw everything away like NASA does. All the software, all the, a lot of the, the material that was used, the antennas even were thrown, were taken apart and dismantled. Okay. And so when these guys came along and said, "Hey, let's let's tap into this satellite again," um, well, NASA says, "Well, okay, yeah, I guess you could do that, but you'll have to build your own software, you'll have to build your own antenna, you know, all of this. So you're gonna have to rebuild the entire infrastructure all over oh, again." So these guys did a crowdfunding program, and we did you put the link up yet? Good. Uh, you, the link is to an article about the program, project, and they've got links to some of the other areas uh, about this event. But they actually, the exciting thing was we, we reported on this last week because they actually had funded 
their program. They had funded their yeah. project, yeah. and so they were getting things in place and getting all the things. They were getting ready to anticipate the contact of the satellite, and, well, actually, this article, they succeeded. They actually took control of the satellite. That was really awesome. I mean, that means they were pretty much ready to go then. Yeah. They just needed the money to finish mm -hmm. it up. That's, mm -hmm. that's uh, ingenuity. Love that. It really is, but it's not even just in and of itself, the tasks that they went through. Is just the beginning. You got to understand. Yeah. This was a crowd-funded project. That's very cool. Totally private. Yeah. This was not done by the government, and that's what makes it really interesting. These were citizen scientists. Yeah. And in fact, they call themselves that in one of the other articles that took control of things and said, "Hey, this is important, and we want to do this." Yes. And it's the first sign. Yeah, it's one them. of the first signs. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the first signs of of a change in the environment that I think we need to be aware of. So, uh, again, one of the other things. Um, here's another one from space.com. They talk about our solar sails, the future of space travel. And actually, you know, I've seen articles similar to this um, come up occasionally. For those who are logging in, I see you there. Just to let you know that the links that we're talking about is right on the chat information down below the show. So just click on it. Those are live links. Just go directly to the website that we're talking about. Also, you can call if you'd like at 714-242-5145. This is a live show. We don't need to just be talking to each other. Yeah, join in. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Moving about, on then. Talking about solar sails. Solar sails. Solar sails. They're not really a new, new thing. The article suggests it is, but they've been around a while. And I know that... Uh, a couple of organizations, there's actually been a couple of attempts already to actually get a working solar sail in orbit. And uh, I know that uh, we've got a couple of more upcoming missions. They're going to be trying again. Uh, the thing is about solar sails, I don't know if you remember Star Wars, but in, uh, was it, was it, uh, I do I remember oh, jeez. Uh, which one was it when, um, oh gosh. Was it the Emperor? No, it wasn't the Emperor. Well, tell me what the... Darth Vader, maybe? No, Darth Vader didn't use one. What? Okay. You see this <laughs> ship in one of the scenes. I Actually, I think it might have been uh, Clone Wars, I saw it. But he, he takes off from the planet. He gets up uh, past uh, orbit, and, he, and you see something sh sh shoot out from his oh, craft, yeah, yeah. and it's that big, pillowy sail-looking yeah, kind of thing. That was, uh, that was a solar sail. That was definitely, yeah, I saw that, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was well done, on, and that was animated. Yeah, that was, they did the animated one, but the, I thought surely in Star Wars somewhere there was another uh, another segment where they showed a solar sail in, at work. Not that I remember. Not but, in movies. You know, here's the, here's the thing, you got to understand just how big solar sails are. The okay. mission they're going to be sending uh, is 1,300 feet wide. 1,300 feet. Now, that's, you know, for all you sports fans, that's what? One, two, three, that's uh, what? 400, four football fields long? Wow. Four football fields. That's, yeah. Here you go. See, the space station. You know? The space station fits in a football field. Mm -hmm. It's that big. Wow. So it would be four space stations long. Okay. Yeah, this is huge. And, and that's freaking huge. Yeah, and and that's if you look at the image they put behind it, it looks yeah. like it's square. Yeah. 
Although you can so see that, the, yeah. the ribs on the... Right. Edges, yeah. But if it is indeed square, which would make sense, then this isn't just four football fields wide. It's four football fields tall. Wow. Which means I it's mean, the size... Well, that's if you square, took, the square is, you know? That means you would have 16 <laughs> football fields of yeah. solar sail. All jammed in tight together, it'd be 16 seems, football fields, four by four. It, it is huge, um, and I know that uh, there are several organizations working, and I know that uh, there are several of them trying to work on the solar sail project uh, to get it off the ground, so to speak. What exactly does the solar sail do? The solar sail uses the pressure from the sun, the literally the light, the photons in light, to propel it like a regular sail uses the wind on Earth. Oh. That's, and that's why they call it a sail. That's, that's why they call it a solar sail. Now, the thing <laughs> of it is, um, of course, the farther you get from the source of the light, mm -hmm. the less pressure you have in your sails, just like if the wind dies on Earth, your sails pretty much go flat. And you have no propulsion. Yes, I, I'm sure I have and something is, to say about that. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, I bet so, you do. yeah, I get it. But, That's good. That's cool. Yeah. Solar sails are, are really interesting for what they offer. The challenge is they're far more efficient the closer into the sun you are. Sure. So that's, that's again, one of those things that... Uh, yeah, well, it's nice to know what these things are that you're spouting off well, about. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, here's another one that's real exciting. Uh, we've been waiting for this for several years. Uh, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. Spites are not... Flights are now cleared for U.S. takeoff. They have FAA approval to fly. Yeah, hey, I'm just excited that Richard Branson is actually going to be in the U.S. Oh, well, yeah. <sighs> Closer. Yeah, yeah, you never yeah. never know. The guy's in his, what, 50s, 60s I don't care. Now? Look at him. He's just awesome. Uh, he's sexy. He's, yeah, he's English. Yeah, well, he's sexy. <laughs> and he's a sir. He's a knight. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, he's doing good work. I mean, the crews he's working with, um, they've got their ships. They've been, they've been going through the, the many milestones to get them into orbit, or into, excuse me, sub-orbit um, for tourist flights. It's really exciting because maybe we'll begin to see these, these flights take off within the next year. That would be nice. And that would be just freaking awesome. I know, he's, awesome. I know he's slated with, with his family and a couple of other people to go on the very first flight, the Virgin. Well, it should be that way. The Virgin Flight of Virgin Galactic. Virgin Flight of Virgin Galactic, yeah. That's going to be big news when it happens. Har, har, har. Um, yes. It's going to be real big news when real that happens. Um, so also, <laughs> also, um, you know, SpaceX has been in the news a lot lately, but oh, here's... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, here's something. It's, it's about a month old. But uh, SpaceX is, you know, we, we know they've, they've updated their booster rocket. They, they launched an, an updated new version of their booster rocket just last month. We know that um, they've got new engines. We know that they just, uh, and we'll be talking about it a little bit from now, they just uh, unveiled their new um, astronaut capsule to yeah. be going to orbit sometime next year, hopefully. Is that the one that we saw together? Yeah, that was that, the one. That's, that a, was the, that's a sexy thing. It is a sexy ship. Oh, we'll be talking God. about that in just a few minutes. But they're... they're SpaceX is working on a new engine called the Raptor, and uh, it's also it's a new technology for SpaceX. It's called a full flow 
methane liquid oxygen engine. They're going to be moving into liquid oxygen, or I'm sorry, into methane. Um, right now, they're using a different engine for Not the... cows are already in a methane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, they've, they've already got... The Merlin 1D is, is a pretty... One of the highest thrust-to-weight ratios of commercial use. Um, it's a gas generator. I mean, these are all fancy schmancy words. But the bottom line is, is that the Raptor, theoretically, would be more powerful than the Merlin. Gas generator is nothing new in this world. Well... Uh, yeah. I have one of those at home. Yeah, you and those cows. <laughs> so there's, there's, we've got the link up there, so check out that. More detail there. But yeah. it's definitely a new engine. Um, and they're really pushing pushing along. I think they're... Uh, hey, getting, now they're just making waves right now. Oh, jeez. Big, huge tsunami huge. waves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris Hadfield chimes in on um, the SpaceX capsule. Um, yeah. You know, on Sunday, yeah. um, and he's he's of the opinion, like some of us, uh, that Elon Musk, uh, at least, is giving the impression of being a real genius, along the lines of Howard Hughes. I mean, he's he's accomplished stuff with SpaceX. He's yeah, done stuff with. Actually, you know, you're right. He does remind me of, of that. He understands his ships. Yeah. Just like you know. Howard Hughes is. Loved his airplanes, and he could tell you everything about it. Same thing. Yeah, but Howard Hughes wasn't just into airplanes. He did communications. He was in. The, he had uh, medical companies. He he met, uh, oversaw shipping companies. He oversaw a boatload of stuff. I mean, this was just. Well, and, and Elon Musk is yeah. starting out in the same way. Yeah. I mean, he's got you've got he's got a car company, a space, a rocket. A rocket company, a car company, Apparently, and a solar cell company. Apparently, he likes things that go really fast. Well, not only that, but he <laughs> likes things that don't cost a lot of money to use. SpaceX is the, the least expensive well, rocket out there. Well, yeah. But, I mean, you solar City is doing things with solar cells I, on know, people's houses that you couldn't do 10 years ago. Tesla, well, yeah. for what Tesla does, it's an inexpensive automobile. It's an all-electric yeah, sports car. Who'd have thunk? Ten years ago, who'd have thunk? That's true. You know, That's true. I mean, these are these are things. And, and Chris Hadfield. Now, keep in mind, we all need to remember who Chris Hadfield was. Chris Hadfield was uh, on the space station. He was actually a media darling for quite a while, doing lots of experiments. He did some really cool stuff up there. Um, but, uh, and, and when he came back, he's, he's tried to keep up in the news and, and be on the front lines and things like that. He, he also sang a version of David Bowie's Space Oddity uh, on the on the ISS. Oh, wow. Uh, Ground Control to Major Tom. You remember that one? Yes, that I remember was, that, one. That, was, that was a great song. And he did it well. He really did. He did a great job. Um, Hadfield is a big Musk fan. Okay? And he's he's been telling us. And he's, this article that we're, we're sharing here, um, and he talks about, uh, in the Q&A session, several things about SpaceX and um, the dependencies that NASA faces and getting to the station and some of the issues that NASA faces, not only with the Russians getting to space, but also some of, some of the challenges NASA is going to face as Musk and SpaceX take off, literally. Um, so, a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff there. Chris Hadfield, again, in the news. 
as as we look at that. Okay, here's here's our second big story that we really wanted to cover. We're putting a link up now. Check it out. This is the. Uh, yeah, I've Actually, this link is from space.com, and this goes into some of the behind the scene uh, video from the unveiling just the other night. Maybe we should have done the unveiling first. Well, no, I wanted to do this one because this uh, this particular uh, video um, is up there, and there's a lot of stuff. The article talks a little bit about it as well. They talk about some of the background stuff here, and then they go through. They show a little bit of some interview with Elon um, a little bit after the the unveiling. So it's it's a great article. Check it out. He talks a little bit about the government. It kind of slams a little bit, but that Elon seems to be in that musk lately. Um, and then we have the video. Elon means he's been that musk lately. Mood. Oh. Mood. <laughs> he's in the mood to challenge uh, NASA. I mean, he, he's you gotta you gotta give the guy credit. I mean, he's got some chutzpah here. All right, and he's taken on sure. the Air Force and their contract with ULA. Yeah. He's taken on and pointed out. He's a mover uh, and shaker. Yeah, questions of of impropriety and. Uh, leading figure going from ULA or going from uh, the Air Force over to ULA. He's he's really slamming the whole bit about the engines that ULA has been using in the RD-180. So he's been out there. He's been in the news. He's been doing a lot of stuff, uh, covering a lot of stuff. He's it's a great link. We watched this after the fact last night, and it's a great video. They do a great job of showing uh, the SpaceX Version Two Dragon Version Two. Great ship. And it, it really is. I think you said earlier, it's a sexy ship. It's a sexy ship. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, it goes... When you get in, especially inside. Oh, yeah. It's just so... It reminds me, and, and I saw a lot of comments online, where when they saw the interior of the craft, they were commenting on how much it reminded them of the feel of uh, Jodie Foster when she was in the uh, ship... Uh, contact? Hope, contact, yeah. When she was in the, the, the ball thing that they... They got her in. And, I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting film. Very interesting film. Jodie Foster did a great job in that. Uh, but the unveiling was, was, was awesome. I needed lots of glitz, lots of glam, lights, music. It was awesome. It was like a Hollywood production, like a, like a red carpet kind of thing. Here well, she comes. What I thought was interesting was when he said that this is what a spaceship should be able to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. In this, in this day and age. Oh, yeah. It really is. I mean, and you've got, got you got all the elements. You're carrying seven people yeah. instead of three. Uh, you've got a spacious got interior. In there. Yeah. Very nice There's interior. a lot of room in there uh -huh. for the various uh, personal items and things that uh, they would probably need to take. Oh, and the tech in there? Uh, no. Oh, that, that control board just I freaking control awesome. Board is cool. But, I mean, he pulls, pulls, you down, pulls it down Yeah. and explains what everything is on there. And then... Pushes it back up and gets up And it climbs, climbs up and out. Right? It's just just awesome. you got to love that ingenuity there. Now, for SpaceX geeks, uh, I ran well, across he's something. He's pretty sexy, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's married. Leave him alone. For SpaceX geeks, we've got an image uh, from Facebook. I'm sending the link out to uh, let you know. This is an interesting little image. It's from the best I can trace. I could not find an original link anywhere. Um, but somebody took the time. This is the independent illustration. Yeah, this is the independent illustration, which is really interesting because they've taken the Dragon V2 plus the new trunk with the little uh, 
um, wings on it, winglets, uh, tail pieces on it, and they've actually showing what it would look like, conceivably, uh, on top of the Falcon 9 and the Falcon Heavy. And i got to tell you, it looks kind of cute. That's uh, that's that's a pretty sexy little deal. So well, rockets, you know. Yeah, no, they have this kind of. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> As we're wrapping down our first hour, we got a few more things to go through. You know, one of the things that we have constantly, I know, I have felt left out. NASA has spent forty plus years, almost fifty years. Uh, in the business of getting into space and doing lots of research and things like this. But I remember one of the things that I came away from the launch of Apollo 11, watching on the TV and watching Buzz and Neil land and, and set foot on the moon, was the idea that that landing gave us the feeling that NASA was going to take us yeah. to the moon yeah. and not just vicariously, well, not just through astronauts. We were as people going to get to, to, to space. Yeah, and, and this was the, the disappointment that we had. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I started All questioning... All that way. Yeah, and, and, and up until about five years ago, I was really questioning what was going on. Why weren't there, wasn't there anything for us as people to participate in? And lo and behold, here we go. We are just recently on Facebook, um, we had the Mars Society has posted an opportunity for people to sign up and do a uh, simulated mission to Mars. You can actually sign up on the website. Link's on, on the show page here. you, you really got to check this out. They do some really awesome things. You actually are issued a spacesuit. You get the gear. You have airlocks to go in and out. You've got space rules to follow. I mean, this, this is... Awesome. Looks like the deadline July 1st to uh, apply, everyone. So yeah, so you've got less than a month. Get your applications in. Barely a month to, to, to apply. Give it a shot. Um, there's several scholarships available, so you don't have to be. You don't have to be uber rich. Scientists. Yeah. <laughs> um, or paid like one. Right, but they now they do ask that if you're going to participate, that you do. Uh, do you execute some research while you're there? So you'll need to be prepared for that to oh, go. There you go yeah. But yeah, I mean it's it's an awesome opportunity, and this is one of the things that I've looked at. Not just uh, here to watch TV after. Yeah, all. you know the only downside I, I went to look at this to apply, and my my first question is is what does it cost to to go do this? Of course. You know, I mean they mention the idea of scholarships here, but I would say what's the qualifications you're looking for. Well, they do identify that. They, they identify qualifications. They identify, well, so, somewhat. But they also on the website, and, and do take a look, because it, it's, it's really some, some interesting reading. It's a great opportunity for a lot of people. Um, I, I, I know that they fill these up pretty quickly once they get started. Yeah, that. But the 2014-2015 uh, series is, is, season is, is uh, getting started. More power to them, so I've what, seen. What did you say about the money? What well, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find a thing that uh, even gives a hint of how much it would cost. Now, I do know they've got multiple stations. It's not just one um, station. I know that the Mars Society actually has 
uh, at least two, or is it three? I, I'm not well, sure. I think it's interesting that they're preparing for possible exploration at Mars this way. Well, not only that, but there, a lot of the research they're doing at the station uh, is uh, what what are the 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 what's the procedures that you need to develop to follow? There you go. Because it's not like you can just open the back door and out you go. You've got, to, you've got to put a spacesuit on. You've got to go out into your atmosphere. That's right. You've got to deal with limitations and how long you can be out there. Do, get, well, no. Each of these is, is uh, I, I don't know how long it is. I think I saw there like four to six weeks maybe uh, in duration. You know, just long enough to get a, a, a good feel. But I think it's an awesome idea. I wish I wish we had a little bit more information about it. Um costs and so forth. Um, one of the things that they do do, which is really interesting, is this year um, they held at one of their uh, research stations, and, and our next link coming up, is they held the Mars rover competition, was held in their Mars research station in southern Utah. Well, and I mean, they had some serious teams out there. Um, haven't, they, haven't they been doing this for years so? Well, yes and no. I mean, there's, there have been robot competitions. Mm -hmm. There's the Google X Prize right. uh, and things like that. You've got different. Again. You've got the first program that goes around to various universities. You've got a lot of different other smaller programs that go throughout some of the various STEM programs in the in the state and local levels that look at robot competitions. So there's there's a lot out there for that. But I, I thought this was an interesting way to blend not just the Mars effort, but also uh, robotics competitions to go with that as we look on to how are we going to not only uh, send robots out to Mars, to Titan, to Ganymede, Callisto, to all these different places to do exploration research, but how might we also be able, uh, have to um, do things like cohabitate with these darn things? We're going we're gonna to be living with them. We're going to be working with them. We're going to be controlling them from the, the Mars uh, habitat. So there, there are a lot of challenges that these kinds of competitions focus on. Reminds me of a scary movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that wraps us up for the news segment of our show. Come on. Be sure to come back in a few minutes. We're going to take a pause here for a break. I'm going to have to tell them what it is. It's sex and space. So, you know, for those little kids that are around, you've got to understand that uh, this is probably going to be a more R-rated segment. Oh, uh, really? Of course. I'm here. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Leave it to you to have to twist everything. Well, that's right. That's what I'm here for. But we'll be talking about sex in space. Is it ethical to raise children in space? Some of the problems right. we'll be looking at, some of the challenges, some of the potential pleasant surprises, all of the different things we'll be looking at as time goes on. So, so having to two minutes and um, 49 seconds to get ourselves a drink because we'll be talking about sex. Kind of wet our whistles. This is Radio, and this is Patty Holtzrand, and we'll be right back.
It's a K-Rod Radio, and this is Patty Holtzman, and we're back. I know, you were just on pins and needles waiting for us to talk about this. Do you want me to read this part here? Huh? Oh. Okay, so we're talking about the ethical, is ethical, ethical to raise children in space. <laughs> what do you think, Al? Well, the first question that the article poses is... Uh, up right now. Sex in space. Okay. When we talk about. Remind them Colin. Hmm? And Colin. Oh, yeah. Colin, join the conversation. We're at 714-242-5145. That's 714-242-5145. So join the conversation. We're talking about the ethics of sex in space. Is it ethical? Really? To raise space children. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing. To raise space children? To raise space children. But, you know, you got to go back to the very first question. The first question is the first half of the title, Sex in Space. Now, you've got to think about this. There's sex Does in... have sex in space? Well, Absolutely. there's sex in space. There's sex on the moon. There's sex on Mars. And there are going to be differences between all three because the gravity is different. Okay. Now, right now on the International Space Station, there is no gravity. I mean, it's microgravity. I'm being really nice right now. Yeah, I know you are. I know you are. But there's a lot of people that, and and actually there's a a few porn stars that are tinkering around with the idea, I'm sure. Oh, I think we've seen some of that. Well, but but here's the question, you know. Barbarella. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) She had sex in space. Uh, Yeah. Multiple times. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. One of the challenges with sex in space is the fact that it's a radiation environment. Mm. When you're looking at... That's not hers. What? Radiation. Radiation environment. Yeah, Mm. you're talking uh, solar solar flares uh, and galactic cosmic rays. These things are not friendly to to human bodies. Or friction. Or friction. (laughs) Friction. You're hot. They're hot. Yeah, okay. Go for it, girl. Uh, the point is, you know, sex in, sex in space, I think, is going to happen. I really don't think there's going to be any anything that's going to stop They're going to figure people. it out one way or another, man. I don't think there's anything to figure out. I think it's just a case they're going to, they're going to have at it they're when they're ready bunnies. to have at it. They're bunnies. We're all bunnies, yeah. Horny little hairs. But, the ethics questions come into play right. what, happens when you, after sex? what happens after sex, and you get into the point of gestation, you get into the, into the potential issues revolving around gestation mm-hmm. and childbirth, uh-huh. and once these kids grow up in, for example, a space station where there may or may not be gravity, if there is no gravity, what does that potentially do to them? Yeah. Right now, we don't know. We honestly don't know. I mean, well, we can surmise. It's, it's just like, you know, in Darwinism, whether you believe in it or not, his idea is that uh, when our surroundings change, our bodies change. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen on in space as well. We do know that people are affected. The, the, the development of everything that we know of as life, whether it be humans, whether it be plants or animals or even insects, is affected by the environment they find themselves in. Yeah. And conceivably, we do know 
that the differences in gravity does affect human development. It affects adults, for crying out loud. Of course. I mean, that should tell us that, that it's, it's going to affect kids. It's definitely going to affect kids, and generations beyond that right. are probably going to be short because they don't need to be big. Well, well here's, here's the thing. We, we know that limited gravity, uh, the microgravity environment, reduces bone mass and muscle mass. Mm -hmm. It literally takes it away from you. What we don't know is, is, does a gravity environment, such as the moon or Mars, does it provide enough force that if you are an adult, you can maintain your bone density and muscle density and, and no, so that's forth? That's true, but with children, where they're developing, that's a whole different ballgame. It sure is. And so do we run, is it ethical then to raise a child in an environment, say on the moon or on Mars, where the likelihood that they will develop without the extra muscle and bone mass. They would be stuck there, I would think. They would be required to stay off of Earth. They yeah. wouldn't, or or we would have to have one G environments either in Mars or likely mostly in Mars orbit or, or the lunar orbit that would give them the opportunity to build up. They could visit over a while, or they could do exercises on the Moon and Mars. I don't see humankind doing that. Um, I see us, and, and this is where we get into, do you remember the film uh, from Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Martian, what was it, uh, Total Recall? Yeah, Total okay. Recall. Okay, where we saw the various different deformations and, and mutations in, in the human people. I mean, there, some of them were fanciful. Mutants. The mutants, mm -hmm. they were fanciful. We've seen uh, the X-Men series recently and, and films and, and TV that's showing... Yeah, so we're okay with that now. I, I think people are to a certain I degree. I think that we, we believe that, you know, those are different. Are different. Yeah. But here's the thing. Being different isn't always a good thing. Oh. We have racism. We have sexism. We have uh, cronyism. We got all sorts of things that look at uh, there's there's age discrimination, you've got sex discrimination, you've got race discrimination, and these are yeah, bad words today. That, unfortunately, we were, all, we're human, yeah. and we're going to take those isms up with us to... I think we will. ...whether we look to it or not. I really think we will. And that's, that is where I think the biggest push of the ethics problem is going to arise. Mm. Not whether we, we, we raise children... Uh, on the moon or on Mars or because even... I think that's going to happen whether we, we talk about it or not. Right. I, I really do. And I, and I wonder if sometimes NASA's snail space is because of that. Because they know that if you send real people into space, you're going to end up with space problem. babies. Yeah. And space babies... Problem, yeah. uh, oh, imagine the lawsuits. Could you imagine a lawsuit? Don't get the lawyers in here. Oh, you, 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 somebody sends their... their they're basically teenage kids. Okay, so they're tw so they're 20 years old. But they get married, and they decide that they're going to build a house and start a frontier on, on let's say, the moon, for, for example. Okay? And they go up there, and, and a year goes by, two years goes by, and they've got a son, and they have prospered well, so he's got the money to come back. He wants to come back to Earth. His wife wants to come. They want to come back and see their extended family. Right. Okay? And they want to bring... Junior along with them. Of course. But NASA says, no, 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 no. You can't come to Earth anymore. 
because we don't want to take responsibility for the health of your child. He cannot survive on earth. Right. And, of course, the parents are going to say, wait a minute, who are you to decide we can't come for a visit? There's a lawsuit right there. Well, There is customs, visa, name it. I mean, the image. Well, they'll make it difficult one way or another. They'll make it difficult one way or the other. It's uh, a whole new sicky wicket (laughs) that we haven't considered. And, And here's the thing. It becomes a whole new world in a literal sense. And but it, is it worth it? Yes, I think it's worth it. I, I think it will be. Um, there will be people who will migrate to the moon. They'll migrate to Mars. We'll be opening up uh, Callisto, I mean, Ganymede, I and Titan. Our potential the lawyers targets. are going to sit there and tell them exactly what they need to know, even though they won't listen anyway. Well, yeah. And when they have their babies and this all happens, they'll go pull up the paperwork and say, this is what you signed. You understood that having children on, in space was going to be a problem. Right. And that you may not be able to come back. You might not know this going in. But human nature being what it is. Oh, I know. They think they can do it anyway. They will think they can do it anyway. They, they will think they Damn can travel back. I got money. I got that. cash here. Right. Let right. me in. It's not a matter of that. That's why, hey, you know, if you, if you bring back your child, it's at your own risk. So... So, oh, hello, space pirate. Yeah, we like, we like space pirates. <laughs> Greetings, space pirates. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, so we were talking about sex and space, and that I think, again, you know, yes, you warn them, and you, you need to become an ethical. I thought of, hey, you know, they were warned. Uh, if they bring the child on uh, back to Earth, then it's at their own risk. Absolutely. And but this then brings be sad and unfortunate, but well, it's part of our our change in society, and it has to happen. Yeah, and 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 that that kind of gives us a good segue into the section that I want to talk about next. Okay. All right, and and, and we want to close the show with our with our commentary for tonight. Um, and we want to talk about one of the things that I have as I have watched. The new space industry, which is which is really kind of interesting. You've got the National Space Society, you got the Planetary Society, you've got the Mars Society, you got the Moon Society, you've got. Uh, we now have an industry grown up around private space travel with SpaceX and XCOR and um, Sierra Nevada and Blue Origin. You've got all of these different things going on uh, now. Why do we have so many different disparate projects that are all competing for the same dollars to go to the same destinations? Now, oh, I think that's the same. Yeah, that's I'm crazy. all for competition. Crazy. But do you know? There's one thing that I think is is missing. Yeah, well, well, two things actually. The first is space settlement all by itself. Okay. We don't have any specific vision from anybody about space settlement. Not NASA. They're just all talking about the end. Everybody's know, talking about we're space Mars, exploration. We're going to roundabout. Yeah. yeah, it's all about exploration. Yeah. And I, I think the time has come. Yeah, and research. I think the time has come and gone that if people are going to believe in NASA programs, if they're going to believe in Mars inspiration, if they're going to believe in any of these programs, 
then there's got to be a change in the way we do business, whether it's the Planetary Society, the Mars Society, whoever it is. Okay? Mm -hmm. We need to have a common vision for space settlement. Now, I do know this. In, in the articles that I've been reading in the last few years, there have been five separate targets identified that are possible to settle based on the current technology. Hmm. Those five targets are Moon, mm -hmm. Mars, Callisto and Ganymede, which are moons of Jupiter, and Titan, a moon of, of Saturn. Now, you might say that, well, Jupiter and Saturn, those are way too far away. Well, so is Mars. You're talking a six-month, on average, trip to get to Mars. Well, we're talking One about footsteps. I mean, we're going to if we go to the moon, then we go to Mars, then we go to you know, Jupiter, and we go to Saturn. I mean, that's a natural progression of the future here. Right. But we've been doing this toe-in-the-water kind of thing for so long. Yeah. That time we... That I think it's time. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the big rub. The reality is is that the, the vast general public, number one, doesn't have a clue as to what's going on. Most of them don't care. Most of them don't care. There's no reason for them to care. As a result, most of the space advocacy groups, Mars Society, Space Society, Moon Society, etc., while they might have a couple of thousand members, stack that up against the world population of between 5 and 7 billion. Okay. When we look at the numbers of people who immigrated to the U.S. Um, between the, the, the 1600s to the 1800s, when we look at the numbers of people who went west, we're talking millions who ultimately uh, did the immigration. And i got to tell you, the, the thing of it is, if there were a common vision, if there were an incentive for people to first believe that it could happen, a singular vision to target a common goal to hit all five of these destinations with a plan that says we're not just going to Mars for a flyby and spend two years to come back. That's one hell of a honeymoon, i got to tell you. All right. That's interesting. That's no one-hour <laughs> tour, okay? I mean, i got to tell you, it, it, the a three, whole thing. That was a three-hour tour. That was a three-hour tour. Okay. So it feels like a three-year tour. Well, yeah. And, they feel, and it feels like they're going to be essentially lost in space. Mm -hmm. i got to tell you that the general public does not have the attention span. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I said in the they don't. About that earlier. They're not going to have the attention span for a six-month first part of the mission just getting to Mars. They're going to be interested at launch. They're going to be interested at some point along the way, and they're going to be interested again when they land. And then they're going to be there. Well, because these aren't just, you know. Or when they get around Mars. Right, because these are, we're talking about common man. Talking about common yeah. man here. And if we're going to get the common man, whether it's uh, awesome pictures of constellations, awesome pictures of, of nebulas, the sun, solar flares, whatever it is, yeah. these are all neat, but they're static. Right. Well, I've been looking at those for years. Yeah. And they're beautiful. They, they make great desktops. They still don't want to go to space. I know yeah. you do. I don't. Well, I do, but you don't. Yes. I, I've got to look at it. Yeah. But, you know, the, again, that's 
But you know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things that I find is is, is a, most of the people that I talk to haven't considered the idea hmm. of going somewhere beyond Earth. Well, they think they had an opportunity. Exactly. That's they, they lost their hope I for remember, an opportunity. I seem to recall a conversation you and I had several years ago. You That's did right. not know. No, I didn't. That we had been okay, to the moon, I think it's what, five times? No, I already know Four that. Times? Oh, come on. I'm not that behind. Okay. But you didn't know about the Bigelow had launched two habitats. I didn't know habitat. about Bigelow, about the okay. habitats. You didn't cool. know about SpaceX yet. That's true. You didn't know about Sierra Nevada. You didn't know about Blue Origin. You didn't know about all of these companies That's pushing right. and yet, to get into space. And yet, I'm a science fiction fan. Yeah, and you love Richard Branson. Oh, God. Good God. <laughs> 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 uh, with any luck... He'll be one of the vanguard leaders putting real people in space, well, or at least rich people in place. You should. You should. I mean, I think that's exciting that they got their uh, their FAA approval, mm -hmm. which means hopefully they'll be launching uh, space tourists into or into uh, suborbit, uh, perhaps as early as the end of this year. Did you say there was some kind of ex issue with their their engine? Actually, there was an article just last week. Uh, that talked about that they may be changing the engine in the Spaceship Two. Uh, I haven't seen anything recently um, that uh, talks about that, hmm. but we'll have to we'll have to wait well, and see how the news we'll plays out. Well, I, we will keep an eye on oh, absolutely. Mr. Richard Branson. Oh. I'll do that for you. Oh yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> yeah, that'd be an eagle eye, I'll bet. I'll hey, tell you. Somebody got to do it. Well, and, and here's the thing. I don't think people in general are going to get behind something unless there's a vision. Of course. And let's let's use an example here. Is a real valid and, and, and potentially solid plan sure. for actually get us to space and not just well, let's, let's not take just, it. you know flimsy promises. Absolutely. And here's a here's a classic example. We talked earlier tonight about the um ISEE-3 spacecraft. Right. This was a spacecraft intended to go um, and find a spot between the Earth and the Sun in order to observe the Sun at closer range than we can do here on Earth. Now, this spacecraft spent a boatload of years in that service, and then NASA wanted to redirect it out to some comets, which they did. Uh, it actually visited two comets and then just continued on in the orbit that it had found itself on. Yeah. Now, after 30-some-odd years, it's coming back to Earth, going to make a close pass to the moon. And there are some guys here that decided Putting they thought up for everybody. it would be awesome to recapture that satellite and put it back in service yeah, instead yeah. of letting it languish out there. Right. It's got fuel. Right. It's got equipment that's valid, yeah. usable, workable. Why not use it again? But here's what's different. They defined a plan, they set a vision, created the plan, set up a, uh, what was it, Rocket Hub, I want to say, I think? I can't remember. Uh, they set up a crowdfunding campaign, and they got their money. But the thing was, they made progress. They had milestones they met, 
And as they started to meet their milestones, the money started to roll in. Well, and that's what yeah. we need. And so in other words, because it's – but I would be curious to find out what percentage of that crowdfunding project was by common man compared to base advocates. That's what I would like to see. That would be interesting, It would too. be interesting, too, yeah, if, if we could possibly – if we could even get those kind of numbers. That would be really telling for our future of being able to do the same thing for other projects. Same thing actually gets us habitat and space. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know you say that, you know. The well, pro- the point I'm trying to make it. is more about the idea that the common man is waiting for a reason to believe in it. Yes. Because. I mean, look at, look at Inspiration Mars. Okay. They put out the call. For anybody, not Inspiration Mars, um, Mars One, they put the call out for people to go to Mars for a one-way trip. Yeah, there's one way. And, one way. And yet, everybody who's, who talked to They had 200,000 people apply worldwide. These are, again, these are normal people. They're not really space advocates. Either. Most of these weren't. And most of the space advocates have been telling you about the idea that, you know, the permanent in space, you're crazy. Yeah. Who would want to do that? 200,000 people wanted to do that. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, it's it's In just, a matter of what, how many days it took? It was a few, oh, few days? Oh, it was, uh, the original paper was put out as a suggestion mm-hmm. um, by a couple of scientists as a proposal that why should we bring them home? Send people to Mars, let them live there. The well, money that would be saved from the return trip could be put into supplies and material to make, to give them the ability to actually survive long enough for a supply ship. perfect sense to me. I think it does, too. Um, and yet, you know, people said they were ready to go. Yeah. And I say, you know what? 200,000 people. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> it just goes to prove that, you know, those people say, well, nobody's going to want to go to, you know, permanent habitat in space. Hello? What does permanently being on the Mars mean? You know, that's just crazy. Well, not only that, but, you know, one it, of the things that... that it, does, it does. That's a great thing, though. I'm really happy that people really want to step up. Well, you know, and the thing of it is, they didn't just have... I, I remember when the paper first came out, they had, like like, thousands of people saying, hey, I'll go to Mars one way. Yeah. And it totally, it totally blew people away. And it wasn't, uh, I think it wasn't even six months later. Yeah. I don't think it was six months later that the Mars One project was launched. Yeah, so here it... And then Dennis Tito, a former uh, space tourist, decides to launch Mars Inspiration, a flyby. And see, here's here's the rub. That's going backwards. Exactly. You've got one project. What is it these guys don't seem to get? I don't know. People don't want to fly by. No. They they, they, they want a landing. They want to go to space and stay. This but here's obvious. Here's the other thing, that, and, and this is why I think a common vision for space settlement is missing. You know, we've had, uh, we've had visions from, uh, oh, gosh, Heppenheimer, Savage, O'Neill, 
to name people from decades ago, mm -hmm. we've had Buzz Aldrin has, has proposed a vision. We've had people from NASA propose visions. But these are all high-tech, glittery, finished product visions. And the problem is, is people don't believe them anymore. Of course not. They, yeah. They don't I, have I look at any that's, faith. That's a really fine idea, and I love them on 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 Canvas, uh, you know, as a as an art piece. Yeah. But I, you know, I know those can never happen. Uh, the other thing is that you know this just physics is wrong. Yeah. But you're thinking, okay, just to think about that, you just need to do a reality check here. Right. And so those people who, you know, 200,000 people, I had to wonder whether or not they're looking at that glimmering, you know, glass uh, dome uh, space. I don't know. You know, what they're looking at. Uh, are they looking at it that way with, with, you know, roses in their eyes, or are they really looking at it for what it's really going to be like? Yeah. You asked a few minutes ago, uh, about how many people had funded the ISEE three reboot project for the satellite? Mm -hmm. They had two thousand two hundred thirty-eight people actually put money into that project. It's one hundred twenty-eight percent. That means it was twenty-eight percent more. They raised one hundred fifty-nine thousand six hundred dollars, and their original goal was one hundred twenty-five thousand. That's awesome. So they got they were able to achieve the funding that they needed to do the job they needed to do. And, you know, I was looking at this earlier. I mean, these guys had a plan. They knew exactly what they needed to do. They talked with NASA. They coordinated it. They figured out. How many? 2,000 and some? Uh, call back up oh, 2,000. 2,238. 238 funders. I mean, the average between them must have been um, a couple of grand. No, actually. That's $71.31 a piece. Yeah. Well, consider this. 959 of those funders pay $10. Right. So that's still quite a few of them. I mean, that, and that's how it works. But it, that's how it I just, works. I just said, hey, what's, what's the average of these right. they were paying? Yeah. $71 was the average that everyone was paying to be part of that. And so, you know, that's, honestly, anybody can really help them. Well, you know, you and I were kicking some ideas around a few years back. And we were talking about... How much money would it really take to fund a mission? If you took, uh, let's just throw some ideas out here. If you took the SpaceX ship, okay, with the Falcon being, 9, right. with seven people on board. Now, how you'd get the supplies up there, I don't know. But let, let's say let's say the mission from SpaceX, a, sh a ship and a Dragon cost, their, their current advertised rate is $60 million. Okay. That's a far cry from the billions and billions that it took to get to, to the moon. Right. All right? Right. Now, beyond that, you'd need another... I don't know, probably a couple of hundred million in, in supplies and other equipment to get to the moon and live, mm -hmm. at, least. at least. So we're looking maybe two, three hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. Well, here, three, grab your calculator again. <laughs> well, if you had people... It's going to be two or three hundred million, because honestly, that's a big, that's well, big number. Well, let's look at some numbers here. So we say three? Say three hundred million. Okay. How many people paying ten bucks a piece would be able to fund Actually, this trip that. to the moon? I think it's thirty thousand or three hundred thousand. Yeah, my calculator doesn't even go that far. Oh, okay. If I buy it, how Boy, you got an old calculator. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> missing a zero there. It's but a here's the thing: health calculator if, people is not a still three hundred thousand people. 
yeah. could fund a moon trip yeah, if, if, if everybody paid ten bucks. I know. You know, you could do that. You could do that a number of different ways. It says it's thirty million. No, three million. No, I guess you're right. It would be thirty million. You know what the population of the United States is? It says she says three million, but I might have had the zero. Line. Yeah, you had the zero. Line. But we can do the we can do the, the the drop thing. Okay. All right. So. But so you need three hundred million. If you're paying ten bucks a piece, that right. means you're you're looking at thirty million people need to pay ten bucks. Well, what's what's the current? Um, and you know that some people are going to pay ten bucks and some. Well, are going here's to pay the thing. According to Google, which drew this from I don't know where. The uh, U.S. population as of 2012 was over 300 million. Yeah. So the idea of getting 10%, 10% of the U.S. population to fork over 10 bucks, that ought to be a piece of cake if you had the right kind of ad campaign, right. if you had the right kind of See, program. This is, again, this is like the lottery for, for the common man. Well, now there's an idea. Yes. Put a lottery for the tickets. For the common man. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's just scary. That makes too much sense. <laughs> It doesn't, make, oh. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, whether we're having sex or space. Well, actually, not, you know, I, I, I do remember Buzz Aldrin has tried two, maybe even three times to start a lottery for a space. Yeah, it was a lottery. It was actually a raffle, wasn't it? Was you know, it could, could have been, a, could have, might have been a raffle. I think there was something, it's a mystery with lotteries. But, but, you know, the sad part of it is, though, is, is those were good efforts. They were good ideas, but they lacked something. Again, they lack this, well, this lack of big the common to vision. Common man. Well, sure. It lacks the connection to the common man. And I, I love Buzz. Yeah, I really love Buzz. He's, he's, he's a guy that... I mean, he's been come, there. He's, he's been, been there, there, man. He did he's he, been there, he did man. But, and I've met him in person, so I just love him even more. But the thing is that, that he's still, to, to the common man, somebody to touch and honor. And yeah. because of that, he's never going to be able to really reach out to the common man and say, you know what, we can do this. Because everyone says, oh, sure, you did it. Well, you know, I don't know about that. I, I think Buzz actually could. If Buzz were like a spokesman for a common vision, if you took a vision and said, we're not just going to go to the moon, we're going to go to Mars, and after Mars, we're going to go to Jupiter's moon, well, if and then came, we're going to go to Titan's moon. If he came moon. down on Earth and said, look, I'm just a schmuck. Yeah, I'm just a common schmuck who, who has... I'm just a working guy. I'm a working guy. I just happen to work in space. I think that mm -hmm. was already said before, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to quote us, our entire trap movie. Um, that, you know, that's... Again, you're probably right about about him being a spokesperson, but the thing is that if that's true, then how come it, it didn't... It failed? Yeah. Again, it didn't any business has to, In any business, you've got to do certain steps. You're in business for yourself. Oh, you know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And, and when you start a business, whether it's a Marketing, raffle. Marketing's a bitch. Marketing's a bitch. <laughs> and you've got to have uh, some sort of a team to make the whole thing work. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I don't you think you're right on one man. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is I think it comes back to it's not enough to say, we're going to Mars. It's not enough to say we're going to the moon. Because the people know the United States did that in 1963, I want to say. John Kennedy mm -hmm. made his famous uh, moon speech. speech. He 
dictated that we would land a man on the moon and bring him home safely mm-hmm. as our vision for the 1960s. Yeah. We did that. We did that. The thing is that our vision after that should have been we will we will land a man on the moon and he will live there. Exactly. And it should have been that. That's what we expected, and it hasn't happened. Yeah. And the vision should also have included and it's said... Just, it's just like a normal business. You It needed to expand to the next level, and it hasn't. Right. And this is what we lack, a common vision for space settlement. And the space industries, all of them, everybody seems to agree that there are at minimum right now, today, five targets that we could settle with current technology. Mm. If we had a common vision that everybody was working with and somebody had the balls to bring the people who are currently doing separate visions together, Mm -hmm. imagine the money that could be brought to bear if a plan was put in place that would take us first to the moon and then from the moon we go to Mars and from Mars we go to uh, to Jupiter's moons and from Jupiter's moons we go to, to Saturn's moon. These things make sense. This is how business does it. Right. Business doesn't launch an aircraft from L.A. flying east. Columbus tried that. He failed. Doesn't work. Also, we don't throw <laughs> There's away, stuff in the throw way. away the ship after we're done. Yeah, we don't throw away the ship after. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. So you know, it, it we need a common vision, and I don't think Mars One. I don't think Mars Inspiration. I seriously doubt that these programs will succeed beyond the goals they currently have without a vision that looks beyond a permanent that. vision. A permanent vision that that includes more than just two people. Right. Although it only takes two to actually have three. Well, eventually. (laughs) Since we started on sex and faith, that's what we should turn it around. (laughs) (laughs) And raising children in space. Yeah. The idea of living there, of actually selling these these space destinations. Yeah. It'll come. Yeah. I just, I think there are a lot of people in my shoes who believe no longer have the faith that it'll happen in our lifetime. Yeah. And that's a sad thing. It really is. I, uh, I, I would love to see Buzz actually make that. I mean, yeah, oh, wouldn't make that, that be trip awesome? to Mars. I mean, can you believe that? Oh, geez. That would be just awesome. You know what? You know what? As, as a parting shot, here's, here's a vision, folks. Imagine the PR value if Buzz Aldrin we should do a Kickstarter and says, send Buzz to the Mars. <laughs> well, no, not only that, but take Buzz Aldrin, mm-hmm. Elon Musk, mm-hmm. who's, yeah. who's openly said many times he wants to go to Mars. Yeah. Himself, yeah. not just his company, but he himself wants to go to Mars. Um, and, and lastly, oh. you know who else is a great big space geek? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I know. Could you imagine the I three was, of them on a trip? I oh, geez, would you want to be a fly on a wall well, for that geez, trip? Tom Hanks already knows Buzz and probably already has already met Elon Musk. Mm. Probably, mm-hmm. I would say. If he hasn't, he should probably anyway. show. But could you imagine the PR okay. tidal wave that Tom would create? Is, Tom is just perfect. Isn't Tom, he? Tom is, you know, like Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. 
Could you imagine <laughs> the three of them getting together to, to, to do a program that had it, a common vision? It would be awesome because, you know, Tommy, he, he's loved by everybody across the world, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so is Buzz. Uh, of course, Buzz is. And Elon Musk is, is getting a real strong following. There's a lot yes, of people in yes, these corners. Well, he's respected. He's very respected. And all three of them are respected in their in their, uh, in their areas. Fields, yeah. Yes. But Tom, you know, he he's been he's been a, sorry to say this, Tom, but you've been a geek for like all your life, okay? So <laughs> I know that you you have a vision, and if you know if you're hearing this, hey, he did Robinson Crusoe. That wasn't the geek film. <laughs> I'm talking about him in real life. Okay? Oh, oh, okay, okay. I'm talking about you know him in real life. He is a trekkie. He would love to see us actually get to space and stay. Yeah, I think we all would. And 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 you're right. The idea of of sex and space, of raising kids, of actually raising communities, not just kids. Right. On on right. the moon, on Mars, sure. Or the other destinations we may find along the way. Mm-hmm. There are countless asteroids out there that would qualify uh, yeah, as potential mining sites new, as well as boomtowns. Whole new stories can come out of those. Oh ideas. heavens, yeah. And you know, talk about original ideas. I mean, that's you know, getting. Into space oh, and oh, 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 you remember I did that essay some months back? <laughs> Extreme sports. Extreme sports. Oh, my uh, God. Rick, yeah. uh, when when Mr. Baumgartner jumped out that airplane at 100,000 feet and... Crazy ass. Oh, <laughs> well, You know, one of the things that I that I talked about in that essay was, well, wait a minute. What's the next step in that extreme sport? Know. And, you know, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that well, talked surfer, about... Surfer. Surfer well, there is that. Yeah. There is that. But there was an article a couple of months ago. There's actually a company now trying to set up balloon rides for people to go to 100,000 feet. Yeah, that's right. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, well... Yeah, Bickles, well, Bickles, you mentioned Silver Surfer, but what's to stop people sure. from jumping out? And you, you, we were watching a video the other day about uh, wingsuits. Yeah. Guys jumping off of cliffs and yes, yes. doing, you know, a little Aerial aerobatic thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Imagine them jumping out of 100,000 feet and being able to have that five-minute flight. People really need, we need to send them to space because they're definitely bored here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Lot of stuff. We've covered a lot of stuff tonight. We thank everybody for being here, uh, joining us. Um, we would like to especially thank our space pirate from astronomy.fm. There must be an FM radio station. We welcome you. And, and enjoy. Uh, so definitely get you know get a hold of us if you would like to have Don on the show because he's he's got all the information and can talk. I could talk. Oh yeah, I can talk. I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's the thing is that, it, again, the first part of the show, we talk about things that you that you found and... Uh, and things that are going on. Yeah. Things that are exciting. I mean, it's just, just awesome. There's stuff going on, and, and this is the thing Bigelow's been Bigelow's been waiting several years. I mean, we're talking five, six years to get his beam module up to the station. So, so, so there's a lot to there's a lot to do. Um Time for us to close up uh, this week. Yeah, Wish I, everybody I don't know if I got movies to take back before nine. So. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> the reality, the reality of the world, you know, is always on the time. <laughs> Wish I had a time capsule. Yada yada. Well, keep up with us next week, folks, as uh, we talk more about the news of the the space news of the week. We'll keep you updated, um, catching all the stuff that happens across the web, across the news. Check back often. 
We'll be covering more news every week on The Next Space. Next Space, K-Rod Radio. And this is Patty Holstrand signing out. And I got somebody's uh, email. Thank you. I will pull that off so that way it's not a common thing. And next week. Next week is Phoenix Comic Con. Phoenix Comic Con is next week. And, of course, that's a huge, huge freaking weekend full of just so many things going on. And I will obviously be chasing after certain movie stars to uh, just have a glimpse of, you know, Nathan Fillion. So I will be stalking people and be proud of it. So uh, that starts on the June 5th through 8th. And then I will also be in Las Vegas personally at Combat Con on 13th through 15th. Be a crazy time. Uh, Combat Con, can you believe it? I'm going to be around men with swords and daggers and all sorts of... Phallic symbols. <laughs> all sorts of uh, weapons which is uh, so exciting to me. So I uh, have that. And, of course, back here in town, uh, Mad Monster Party in Phoenix will be 13th through 15th. And then after that, um, back to Las Vegas again for the amazing Las Vegas Comic-Con, the 20th through the 22nd. And between all that time, we'll be doing classes and teaching authors how to get their books out, as I, as I do often. And also, we'll be talking uh, again on KWAD Radio, usually on Tuesdays to Thursdays. Until then, you guys have a great week, and we're excited to have you all on board. <laughs>